Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah. Can you please stand with me as we read God's word? In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets." But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Yes, let's put our hands together for Sarah and for God's word. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So God, speak to our hearts through your word today. That is our prayer. How many of you believe that uh, God still speaks today? And so how many of you would like to hear from the Lord today? How many of you want to hear from me today? I'd rather hear from God. But we know that God can actually speak um, through me and he can speak in spite of me. And so we say, God, speak. And so my prayer is that you walk away from from today and you go, you know what? God is leading me to to do this in my following of him. Maybe it's something that he's already asked you to do. And today he's confirming it. Or maybe it's a brand new thought, a brand new revelation, a brand new command God's given to you today. But um, I, I want to follow the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Uh, I want to know where God's leading me. And so that's my prayer for you today is that you would hear where God is leading you. Uh, this passage is um, is kind of broken into three big chunks. The first chunk is um, Jesus is praying all night and the next day he goes out and he chooses his disciples. The next chunk, Jesus is ministering to multitudes Crowds of people, some scholars say up to 30,000 people. And then the last chunk is where Jesus really defines what blessing really is. So keep in mind that now Jesus is, he's teaching and he's practicing things, he's ministering, he's doing things to, to, excuse me, to demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like. So he demonstrates it by who he chooses to be his disciples. He demonstrates it by how he is ministering to multitudes and also through his teaching specifically on what it means to be blessed. So let's just start at the top. 
Uh, Jesus, the Bible says, prays all night and throughout the night he is praying to the father, his father, and he is praying about who he should choose for his disciples. And uh, what's interesting about that is, is who he chooses to be his 12 disciples. Uh, I'm not sure that we would pick the same. Um, and I'm not sure Jesus would have chosen the same uh, without the help of the father. And what I mean by that is this. If you go to John chapter 17, and I'll just talk about that for a minute. You don't need to go there. But in John chapter 17, Jesus is actually praying to the Father and he's praying for his 12 disciples. And when he's praying to the Father, he says, Father, you gave them to me. You gave them to me. So the idea is this. Is, is it, could it be that actually the, God the Father picked out the 12 and told Jesus, these are the 12 you are to choose. So maybe Jesus didn't choose the 12. Maybe actually the father chose the 12 and revealed the 12 to Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, imagine with me, maybe, you know, imagine Jesus in the darkness of night and he's praying to the father and he's having this conversation about who should make the team. And the father says, I think Peter should make the team. And Jesus is like, oh, I don't know about this Peter guy. I mean, he seems kind of like a wildfire kind of guy. Unstable, unpredictable. Father, I don't know that he's the guy. But Father, maybe you see something in him I don't see. So not my will, but your will be done. <laughs> you know. And so they go back and forth maybe about all these 12, you know. And, you know, Peter probably wasn't, wouldn't have made the team. He wouldn't have made the cut. He would have been the last guy picked, you know, on the playground when I was growing up. How many of you were that last person I was picked? You know, I'm talking about that was Peter. Okay, he probably should have been the last person because we know Peter did some crazy things. At one point in his life, he is confessing, Jesus, you're Lord, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And the next moment he says, but you don't need to go to the cross. And Jesus, of course, rebukes him and says, you know, Satan's using you. Get behind me, Satan. We know that he denied the Lord three times and. Uh, we know Peter was quite a mess, wasn't he? At one point he drew the sword and he chopped off the ear of Malchus and Jesus had to come behind him and clean up the blood and clean up the mess, put the ear back on. You know, this is Peter just kind of spontaneous, just kind of, you know, he does and then he thinks kind of guy. I don't know if you can relate to that, but this is Peter. He, he's the guy that takes the whole church back to the fishing industry and causes the first crisis in the church, you know. Peter's the guy that uh, God had to give him the very same vision three times before he got it. Yeah, very slow guy. So this vision of this sheet coming down from heaven with all these animals on it. And God said, kill and eat. And what is that? It took three times before Peter got that one. So Peter, you know, he didn't have it all together. In, in fact, at one point in his journey, um, the apostle Paul had to rebuke him in front of the whole church because of his lack of faith. So uh, and and this guy, you know, I could just hear Jesus saying, you know, Father, this guy seems like big trouble. Are you sure we should be picking Peter? And he ends up picking Peter. And aren't you glad this morning that the Lord chooses us for not who we are, but for who we would become one day? And I think the father knew that these 12 disciples, they were really not a whole lot to look at their credentials. They had none. Uh, they were just simple blue collar People from from Galilee and the people of Jerusalem probably didn't have a whole lot to do with them. And God says, they're my men. These are the guys. 
And I'm thankful today that God changed Peter's name. Uh, We know that his name was Simon, which means pebble. And God changed his name to to Peter, which means rock. So we know that Peter began as kind of a pebble, if you will. God changed his name to, to rock. But how many of you know just because God changes your name, your character doesn't change overnight? And that took some time for Peter to grow up. Spurgeon said this, he said, I am not what I should be, but I am not what I used to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be. And I'm thankful today that, that when God calls us to follow him and when God calls us to do something um, in the kingdom of God, he calls us not because of who we are that day. He calls us for who we're going to be. And I know that when God spoke to my 17-year-old heart and he said, I want you to speak my words, um, I, I didn't see anything there. And I still wrestle with that today, but I do know this. I do know this. God has called me. And I do know this. God has called you. And he's called you to do things that are bigger than your credentials. That are bigger than you. That, that are, are far beyond your experience and your understanding so that God can get all the glory and he can get all the credit. Peter, he had these gaps in his faith, large gaps in his faith. He had these failures, but these failures didn't define him. Just like your failures, you need to know this morning, they don't define who you are. That's not who you are. You may be saying, well, pastor, you don't know what I did this past. You know, I don't know what you did this past. You don't know how screwed up. I don't know how screwed up. Listen, that, that is not who you are. That is not who you are. You are who God says you are. God says you're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God. God says, I chose you. I chose you to choose me. (laughs) God, I'm not worthy. I can't do what you're... Yes, you can't, but I can do it through you. God's not looking for people with resumes. He's looking for people with, with willingness. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, God. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And this is the kind of guy Peter was. By the end of Peter's life, he did become a rock. We know through history that uh, that he was imprisoned in the Maritime prison for nine months. And we know that he was chained to a post down in a dungeon where it was dark, no light at all. Chained to this post and and he was standing in human wastes. And some would die from just the. Uh, just the stench, they would die from the fumes. No sleep for nine months. Chained in an upright position, not lying down. And the church tradition tells us that 41 soldiers, 41 Roman soldiers came to Christ during those nine months while Peter was down in that prison. And the day they took him out to crucify Peter, they they took they captured his wife and they actually crucified her first right in front of him. Then when it was time for him to be crucified, he said this, he said, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And they crucified Peter upside down. The pebble became a rock. Peter became a rock. I'm thankful today that. That God knows those he chooses. He knows who you are. And he knows who you will become. That's our God. And Paul spoke of this when he spoke to the Corinthian church. He said, he said, not many of you were 
were of noble birth. Not many of you were anything when you were called. And he said, but God, he uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God uses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Right? God uses the, he uses the despised things and the things that are not, that everybody goes, eh, that's not, that doesn't mean, he uses those things. Why? So that no one can boast before him. So God picks people for his team that we wouldn't pick for our team. Right? God has chosen me. God has chosen you. How do you make God's team? Right? Some of you, you feel like, you know what? I am the least of the least in this room today. You're a perfect candidate. You're a perfect candidate to be used in the kingdom of God. You might be here and you say, you know, I am the biggest mess I've ever been. And I'm probably the biggest mess in this room. You're a prime candidate, right? To be used in the kingdom of God. God's not looking for your degrees and all of the gifts you bring to the table. He is not looking for that. He's looking for broken people. Why? So no one may boast before him. So if you feel broken and you feel like God could never use me, you're the, you're the perfect person for God's team. You're the Peter on God's team. And he picks you first, right? And just on a practical note, just like Jesus had a big decision to make, he, he set aside some time to get away and to pray. Now, I know you're all smart and you can make great decisions without God's help, but I would encourage you, you know, get away sometime. Maybe you've got a big career decision to make or or maybe uh, you're choosing to do something and, and you just you need God's wisdom. Get away like Jesus and pray. And God may actually have you do something that you did not have in mind to do. God may have you make a choice that wasn't in your radar, perhaps even like Jesus in choosing of the twelve. So after he calls them, by the way, these guys were world changers. They were world, world changers. And, and most of these disciples, they were young. In fact, most of them were in their 20s when Jesus called them. We know that Peter was probably his, in his 30s. And we know that John, the apostle, uh, the beloved one, the one who was maybe closest to Jesus, he was only a teenager. He was maybe 15, 16, 17 years old, you know. Uh, and I love how God uses young people in the kingdom of God. You know, our young people, our, our teenagers, they're at the unplugged retreat right now. And and I heard last night it was such a, an incredible night they had. In fact, Drew texted this morning and said, last night, he said, he said, the spirit moved in this place in a way that I have never to a degree. I have never experienced the moving of the spirit of God. And I believe that that last night Jesus was was calling his disciples. He was calling young people to follow him, maybe for the first time or call or, or follow him in a way they've never imagined following him. But I thank God for that. I think God what God is doing through our M&A and our leadership and Pastor Drew. I thank God for that. These men, they were ordinary blue collar workers and God used them. Why? Because God called them. When God calls you to do something, he empowers you to do it and he sends you to do it. When you hear that voice of God saying, do this, do that, you do that. God is there. He will empower you. And the Bible says that after he called them, verse 17, he came down with them and he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast and Tyre and Sidon and the Bible says they they came to hear him and they came to be healed and they came to be cured of the spirits that were tormenting them. 
And it even says that the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and he healed them all. So he chooses the 12. We probably wouldn't have picked these 12. Now he comes down and he demonstrates this is what kingdom power looks like. And he begins to minister to these multitudes. And there could be thousands and thousands of people in these in the multitudes there that day. And just imagine, imagine all kinds of illnesses and diseases and all kinds of broken people and, and just people that, that nobody else would have anything to do with. They're reaching out to try to touch Jesus because power was coming out from him. And what I love about this part of the story is, is, is he's ministering to the multitudes and he's blessing the multitudes and he's good news for all people. And he's demonstrating, hey, I'm not just blessing the 12. I'm blessing all who call on my name, all who come after me, all who want to be changed. It doesn't matter how broken you are, blind you are, leprous you are. I've got good news for you. I came for you. Dallas Willard, I, I love how he puts it in the book, Divine Conspiracy. He talks about the, who the blessing of God comes to. He said, blessed are the physically repulsive. Blessed are those who smell bad. The twisted, the misshapen, the deformed, the too big, the too little, the too loud, the bald, the fat and the old. For they are riotously celebrated in the party of Jesus. The flunk outs, the dropouts and the burned outs, the broke and the broken the drug heads and the divorcees, the HIV positive and the herpes ridden, the brain damaged, the incurably ill, the barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time, the overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed and the unemployable, the swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the street. And the children of parents dying in the rest home. The lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved or the emotionally dead. Even those who are moral disasters will be received by God as they rely on Jesus. The murderers and the child molesters. The brutal and the bigoted. Drug lords and pornographers. War criminals and sadists. Terrorist, the perverted and the filthy and the filthy rich. All have access to the kingdom of God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am so glad this morning that Jesus is good news for all people. And I want you to imagine this morning these multitudes that Jesus is ministering to. It's all those people. It's all their brokenness. It's those who are rejected and they're put on watch lists, right? And most wanted list and and uh, um, sex offender list. These are the people showing up, flocking after Jesus because there's something about him. There's power coming out from him and he's changing their lives. This is our Jesus. And this good news is demonstrated in power. Bible says all came and all were healed. This is amazing. 
Right. This is true blessing in the kingdom. Right. I mean, power, signs and wonders, demonstration, stuff we love, stuff we celebrate. Where's the power of God today? We want to see it. We want to see the miraculous. Right. That's part of the kingdom of God. But it's almost a setup for the sermon to come. It's almost as if Jesus says, "Okay, guys, now that I have your attention. Right. Now that I have your attention, now that you know I bless all who call upon my name, let me tell you about another blessing. And it's a hidden blessing. It's, it's like a secret blessing. And if I didn't tell you about it, you wouldn't know about it. And the Bible says he turns to his 12 disciples. He looks at them and he begins to say something that they've never heard before. And he said, blessed are those who are poor. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when you are hungry, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. So this is, this is crazy. One minute, he's demonstrating this blessing, this healing, this deliverance. Everyone who's touching him is healed. This must be blessing. Yes, it is. But Jesus says, there's another kind of blessing. It's a hidden blessing. It doesn't feel like blessing, but it's blessing. Let me tell you about that kind of blessing. And the reason he had to do this, because he's talking to 12 Jewish men, right? So they grew up in this Judaism and in Judaism, they believed that if you were if you were poor, if you were hungry, if you were if you were hated by others, that meant that God was not pleased with you and you did not have the blessing of God on your life. You're not right with God, right? That's what they believed. But they believed that if your crops were prospering and everybody liked you and they patted you on the back and they said, we love you. You're the greatest. Right. Lots of friends. Then God is pleased with you. Then you have God's blessing. Sounds like the prosperity gospel. Been around for a while, hadn't it? So they were under the saying, that's what God's blessing looks like. And if you don't have that, you don't have blessing. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not how it works in my kingdom. That's not how it works in my kingdom. He says, when you come into my kingdom, things will happen to you and it will feel like it's not a blessing, but it's a hidden blessing. And his disciples, of course, discovered that, didn't they? We know that 11 of the 12, they were greatly persecuted. We know 10 of them died as martyrs. John was exiled to the island Patmos where he, as an old man, where he lived out his days in exile. So we know that this blessing in the kingdom doesn't always look like signs and wonders and power. And wow, that felt good and goosebumps. Somebody say amen. amen. Blessing in the kingdom has also this hidden part, this hidden blessing. And we would call it cursing, but Jesus calls it blessing. And he says, blessed are you who are poor. What does that mean? Right. I mean, I've never heard somebody say it's a blessing to be poor. What does that mean? Does that mean when you see somebody standing on the on the on the corner of 72nd and Dodge with a sign? You all oh, that man's blessed. Is that what it's talking about? Right. Or the hungry that you might run into. They don't have meal. They don't know where their next meals. come. Oh, you're so blessed because you're hungry. Is that what he's talking about? How many of you have seen the movie The Pursuit of Happiness? Right. How many of you have seen the movie? Good movie. Love that movie. And what I love about the movie is is the relationship between the father and the son. 
it's just a powerful, it makes me cry when I watch it, the, the relationship between the father and the son and how much he wants to provide a, a home for his son and a place to live and meals and things. And, and he's working so hard to do that. I love that about the movie. And I love how he, is, he is, has this attitude, I will do whatever it takes to find happiness. The pursuit of happiness. I love that part. What I don't like as much about the movie is, is how it defines what happiness is. It defines happiness in, in terms of this, this kingdom, this world that we live in. Right? How many of you know the American dream is probably not God's dream? That's why it's called the American dream. And it's not called God's dream. And so... In our pursuit of following Jesus and in our pursuit of happiness and blessedness, we have to redefine what blessedness is. In a sense, we have to we have to start over with happiness. We have to get heaven's perspective on what this blessing or this happiness is. Thy kingdom happiness come on earth as it is in heaven. So what's going on here? Jesus is talking to the 12 disciples and uh, and he's saying, blessed are you who are poor. You who are poor. So these 12 disciples, they had left family businesses. They had left the trade they grew up with. They had left homes. They left family. They left uh, material possessions to do what? To follow Jesus. And he's talking to those who have made sacrifices. They've left things. And he's saying, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you when people speak ill of you. Saying, why did you leave all of that? to Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? You've got to plan ahead. You've got to get ahead. You've left behind a family business. All you had to do was step into it. It was yours for the taking. You know, you didn't even have to buy the thing. Dad was going to give it to you. You left that to do what? How much do you make following Jesus? Right? Where are you spending the night? I don't know. Blessed are you, Jesus said, who've given up. Given up pursuing the happiness of this world, the kingdom of this world to follow me. You're blessed. You're well fed. Yours is the kingdom of, of God. How many of you know you can never go wrong, right? Following Jesus and, and doing what he's calling you to do. Some of you, you're here today and, and, and you've, you've left things to follow Jesus. You've turned down job offers because, it, because they were asking you to do things. Or you've, you've left a job because they asked you to do things that, that were unethical. You couldn't do them in good conscience. Some of you are, are single today because you had an unbelieving spouse, Right? And instead of joining them in their unbelief, you said, no, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they said, fine, I'm leaving. Some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the Bible says, if you have an unbelieving spouse, you let them leave. And what do you do, right? That's the cost sometimes of following Jesus. Not everybody's going to get on the bus, right? We've got the good news bus here at, at, at Good News. And some people get on the bus and some people get off the bus. And that's fine, just as long as you don't slash the tires when you get off the bus. <laughs> some of you have you've taken a stand for Christ and you talk about creation and people say, what, what planet are you on? And, and you talk about, you know, marriage between one man and one woman and, and people 
think, you know, you're out of your mind. Get with the times, right? You're going to be persecuted. You're going to experience that, right? What Jesus is telling them is, hey, you're blessed because you've left something of value for something of greater value. Let me ask you today, what have, what have you left? What is something of value that you have left to follow Jesus? What cost? Jesus said, it will cost you to follow me. You'll have to deny yourself, take up your cross to follow me. There is a cost attached to it. And he says this, you're blessed. You're blessed because of the sacrifices. Matthew Matthew's gospel explains it in different terms. Matthew says it like this, still recording Jesus's words. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt for yours is the kingdom. Luke explains it in a a more physical term, physical poverty. Jesus goes on, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and they revile you and they spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. Rejoice in that day. Right. You go home and, 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 and those of you who are married and you're how was your day? It was great. Another person hates me. Praise God. Let's just leap for joy and rejoice. Every day. That's my goal. Find somebody who hates me. Right. This is out of this world. Right. They exclude you. They revile you. Right. They spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. How many of you know you're going to make enemies? Just make sure you make them for the right reasons, right? If you don't have any enemies, your assignment today is to go out and make some. I'm just teasing you, right? And he says to this, he says, woe to you who are rich. This is crazy. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did the false prophets. What's he talking about? Is he condemning riches? Is he saying riches, you know, is a curse? No, he's not saying that. Not at all. What he's saying is, woe to you who have riches, right? In this, who have riches in this world, right? But are not willing to let go of those riches to follow Jesus and do whatever it takes. Woe to you who are rich, who have neglected the calling on your life. You turn away from that calling that God has on you. And I'm not talking pastor missionary. I'm talking whatever God's asking you to do. Jesus said, if you walk away from that calling, if you walk away from what I'm asking you to do, you're going to end up empty. You're going to be empty. If you turn away from that calling and you fill yourself up on the pleasures of this world, Jesus is saying very clearly, you're going to end up empty. You're going to be poor. He doesn't condemn riches. We know that both the rich and the poor have full access to the kingdom of God. Abraham, right, was justified by his faith. And yet Abraham was one of the richest people in the world. The Bible says that he was loaded down with gold and silver. (laughs) No Powerball lottery in those days. Just the blessing of God. And he had loads of it. Gold and silver, right? But the scripture says that that Abraham, he never settled down. He never built a mansion. He was always on a go and he lived in tents. 
He never held on to it. He never settled into it. He, he held it with an open hand and he was generous with his neighbors, with his friends, with his family. Because Abraham, he had his eyes fixed on something else. He was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. He held on to the blessing. He held on to those riches with an open hand. God didn't tell him to walk away from those riches. God gave him those riches. Why? To be a blessing. To be a blessing. Doesn't say there's a curse on those who are rich. Joseph was wealthy. King David was wealthy. Daniel was wealthy. So what does Jesus mean when he says, woe to you who are rich? Woe to you if all you have is riches in this kingdom. And you are poor in God's kingdom. Woe to you if you are satisfied. If you are satisfied with, with this kingdom. And your heart doesn't long for and hunger after the things of God. He says, you're really the one who's poor. Woe to you when everybody pats you on the back and tells you, you're such a great guy. <laughs> that's what they did with the false prophets. You know, I like it when people like me. How many of you like that? You know, I mean, I don't wake up every morning thinking, you know, who, what, what stupid thing can I say today and get people mad and riled up? You know, I mean, maybe you do that. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. Here, here's the deal, though. Not all people will speak well of you if you're a follower of Jesus. Don't make it your goal. Don't make it your goal. The Apostle Paul said, and I think it was in Galatians, he said, uh, um, if I am still seeking to please men, I am no longer a servant of Christ. I am no longer a servant of Christ. If I, if I want everybody to like me, if I want to please everybody, you know, just, just, just get over that. Um, you know, um, that's not the goal. And, 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 you know, I'm not out to make enemies for sure, but um, when, you, when you draw a line in the sand and you say, you know what, I'm going to stand for what Christ stands for, and I'm going to say the things that Christ said, not everybody will pat you on the back and say, I really like you. Yeah. Right, so that's okay. I want to encourage you today. If, if, if your stand for Christ, your love for Christ, it, it seems to be creating enemies and animosity in your life. You know what? Welcome. You're in good company. You know, Jesus said even the members of your own household would be your enemies when you follow me. And I'm not trying to make enemies in my household. Believe me. Right. But don't back out. Don't back down. Right. From following Jesus, even if it means that you're going to have some enemies. And by the way, next week, we're going to talk about how to actually treat our enemies. And that'll be very, very good. So keep in mind what Jesus is doing here. He's contrasting the, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. And he is saying blessing is found in, in letting go of what man's kingdom has to offer and taking hold of what the kingdom of God holds dear. So I believe this. I believe that God is, is calling all of us to follow him every day in some way. And the way he calls to follow you may not feel like a blessing. It may feel more like a sacrifice. It may not be fun. It may cause people to not like you. Whatever, it may cost you to give up things that you've been pursuing most of your life. But can I tell you this? Jesus said this, yours is the kingdom of heaven and you're blessed. 
You're blessed. You may, it may mean that you, you make less and you live with less. But Jesus says you're blessed if you're doing it for my name's sake. Jesus said it may, or it may mean that you have less people who like you and you have more enemies. But Jesus says you're blessed. It may mean that you laugh less and you mourn more because of the cost of following Jesus. But Jesus wants you to know you're blessed today. And he's talking to those who have stopped pursuing one kingdom and have started to pursue the kingdom of God. And he's saying to his 12 disciples, let me encourage you today. You're on the right path. You're on the path of blessing. It's a hard path. It's a narrow path, but it's the blessed path. And I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you, it's a hard way. It's a hard path following Jesus. And you might say, man, it was easier doing my own thing back in my own days. I made more money. I didn't care about sin. It didn't bother me. I ate it up. And now I live with conviction. I live with less. I live with temptation. How many of you are with me this morning? And you might be here questioning, man, is it worth following Jesus? And Jesus says, you're blessed. Everybody else says, go back to the blessing you had before. That wasn't blessing. This is blessing. God's saying, this is kingdom blessing. You're on the right path. See yourself as blessed. See yourself as rich. See yourself as happy. See yourself as full. Praise God. See yourself as rewarded in this life. Rejoice. Leap for joy. You're in good company. Cheer up. Lift up your countenance. Open your mouth and shout for joy this morning. You are blessed. This is what happiness is in the kingdom. So I have a friend who recently retired actually just about a couple years ago and his his retirement dream was to move back to Colorado and and be close to his parents who were aging and not doing very well. That was his dream. And uh, I asked him the other day, I said, what about the dream? How come you're not living the retirement dream? And he looked at me in the eyes and he says, because I'm a servant of God. And God has asked me to stay in Omaha. And he has asked me to serve my wife. He's asked me to serve my, my, my church family. He has asked me to lead a small group. And I'm not going anywhere. He said, I was given an opportunity to start a very successful business. Uh, it was just kind of handed to me. And I said, no, I, I'm not here for that purpose. I'm here to build the kingdom. And he was invited to, to be a, a groundskeeper in his retirement, a groundskeeper for a very wealthy man. Um, not a prestigious position, just something to do, very humble. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm a servant of God. And this is what God has called me to do. So he gave up a dream that he's lived all of his life for. This is what I'm going to do when I retire. This is where I'm going to go. And he gave up that dream. Um, and here we have a family that I met in uh, Istanbul a couple months ago. And Andre and... Uh, 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 Carla is her name, and they're from Italy. They don't speak English very well. They're just learning English. They're just learning Turkish. And there are their two beautiful daughters, um, six-year-old, three-year-old. And um, Andre's 37 years old. In the prime of his life, he was establishing his career as a banker in the IT world and um, both of those worlds and was doing pretty well, just starting to grow some stuff. And uh, God called him, God spoke to him about uh, leaving that and going to Central Eurasia, going to Istanbul, Turkey to begin training and uh, to be a live dead missionary. 
And can I tell you what is happening in their life? They sat down and they talked with our team and they said, you know what? We are, we are in the process of uh, starting over with happiness. They send their kids to a Turkish school, 99.9% Muslim. Their kids don't speak Turkish. They just, here you go. You're going to school. We'll figure it out. We'll trust God. You know? Uh, and he told me, he says, and he's speaking English a little bit now. He said, he said, all of my banking skills, all of my IT skills, they're useless over here. I have no use for them. I don't know why all 37 years of my life seems to be wasted. I'm like starting over in life and starting over with happiness. He has a father-in-law that's, you know, wondering how are you going to take care of my daughter and my grandkids? When will I see you again? And they're saying, you know what? This is what God is calling us to do. And we are blessed. We are blessed. We have a missionary named Joseph who's a missionary to uh, India. And uh, he stood before about 5,000 college students not too long ago. All these college students have big dreams, aspirations for their life, what they're going to do. And Joseph stands in front of these 5,000 students and he says, I'm 50 years old. He said, I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I have a bank account with nothing in it, but I wouldn't change anything for it, anything in this world. I'm doing what God has asked me to do. Your life may not look like Joseph's life or uh, Andre or Carla. It may not look like my friend's life and what God is asking them to do. It may not look like what God called Peter to do. Okay. I would imagine none of you are going to be crucified upside down. But I do know this. God is, is asking you to do something. God is speaking to you about in some way of following him. And I'm, if I could have the worship team come as we wrap this up this morning. There's two things I want to talk to you about. And the first thing, the first question I want to ask is about this happiness idea. Maybe you're in a place where you realize this morning that you need to start over with happiness. And this idea of this pursuit of happiness and what this pursuit of this blessed life looks like. God is, is saying, not in my kingdom. It doesn't look like that in my kingdom. Right? Now, God may bless you with riches. He may bless you with possessions. And he may ask you to give them all up. Or he may not ask you to give them all up. The point is, what is God asking you to do with your life? What is he asking you to do with the stuff that you have? Maybe you're pursuing it, you're holding on to it, and God is saying, I want you to pursue my kingdom, and I want you to hold this this kingdom with open hands. I want you to hold this. Hey, I'm a dad. I have a a wife. I have kids. I, I feel the weight to provide for them. I feel the weight, all of that type of thing. But I don't want that to drive my life. I don't want it to drive me. I don't want it to be that... I owe, I owe, I owe, off to work I go. I don't want to live that driven kind of life. I want to live a life where I can say, God, whatever you have for me, I will follow. Whatever it is. I'll go to, I'll go to Istanbul. I'll go to Cairo. I'll go wherever, God, because you are Lord. And happiness is not defined by the American dream. Happiness is defined by what God asked me to do. And whatever he asked me to do, that is the blessed life. 
And some of you, God has given you something specific this morning. He's asking you to do. And maybe it's have a difficult conversation with somebody. And it means they're no longer going to be your friends. Could be. Or God's asking you to give up a, a career or the extra job. Or give up the idea of making a, a future for yourself and holding it with an I don't know what it is that God's asking you to do. But I want you to follow him this morning. He wants, he wants you to follow him. Stand to your feet if you would as we wrap up here. Happiness is following Jesus wherever he takes you. Wherever that is. I also want to say this. Some of you don't feel like you should be on God's team. You don't feel like you're worthy to be chosen by him. And you know what? You're not. <laughs> and I'm not. And we're, we're nothing apart from him. But God says, you know what? I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your weakness. I'm going to use your foolishness. I'm going to use you in my kingdom in a powerful way. And some of you are just trying to get your head around. God, you can't. You could never use me. You've given up on that idea of, of being used in the kingdom and somehow. And I want you to respond. And you're, you're saying, yes, Lord. Some of you today, and I'm going to have you come forward in just a moment. So work up the courage because I want you to come forward. We're going to pray again. Some of you are here today and you know Jesus is calling you to follow him, but you have never followed him. You've never said, you know what, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. It's the first time in your life you're, you're saying, God, I will follow you. And if that's you, I want you to make your way to the altar. We're going to pray here together. If God is calling you to let go of something, to give up something, there's something that you realize you've, you've been pursuing, you need to give up, I want you to come. Whatever God is talking to you about, I want you to come. We're going to surrender it here at this altar. So please come, make your way. God's speaking to you this morning about this message. We're going to pray together. Father, thank you this morning that the blessed life is perhaps different than what we consider. The blessed life is just doing whatever you're asking us to do. And God, we respond today. We take steps, physical steps down to the front to say, yes, Lord, you're speaking to me. I'll do whatever you're asking me to do. I'll go wherever you're asking me to go because you're Lord and you're worthy. And that is the blessed life you have for me. God, I thank you for those this morning who have never decided to follow you. I thank you that today is the day they're going to take steps and say, yes, I will follow you. I will be your disciple. I will go wherever you have me to go. God, I thank you that you are forgiving sins today. Forgive our sins, God. God, for, forgive us for pursuing our, our own dreams and not leaning into you. God, forgive us for making important decisions without spending time in prayer before those decisions. God, forgive us, Lord, for, for not saying yes to joining your team, God. We know that we're not worthy, but God, you're worthy. God, and if you see something in us, God, then, then so be it, God. And use what you have given us for your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name.
service was I was in Bible college and I was really wrestling with what God was asking me to do and where he was asking me to go. And I remember just coming to the altar, just getting on my knees and just surrendering again and and saying, okay, Lord, I am tired of fighting. I am not going to wrestle with you. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender the rights to my rights to my life. I surrender the rights to my future. I surrender my dreams for your dream. And man, there was such a release, such a freedom after that. And such a peace. The battle, the fight with God was over. It was not my will, but your will be done. Some of you are in that place and saying, you know what? I'm just going to surrender. I am not going to fight. I am not going to fight. Jesus, you are Lord. God, I pray today that, um, that as we pray for the sick and we lay hands, I pray that what would happen is power would go out from us. And God, that you would do today among the multitudes like you did on that day. Um, Lord, I pray that it would happen here today in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite our prayer workers to come. We'd love to pray with you. Pray that you have a blessed week. And Hope to see you at small group or one of our midweek prayer services. God bless you and let's pursue happiness as God intended.